1: Hey, welcome, guys, to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. As always, coming from Boston, this is Scott. Coming to you from
0: a basement in Los Angeles. This is Jim.
1: <laughs> welcome, Jim, from the basement. and it's
0: a, it's a studio basement. I mean, it's not like I'm down here with, like, the Christmas decorations. It's a it was-
1: super nice basement. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank with you. a great Frankenstein poster. and yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. It's got Frankenstein posters and stuff. It's like a laboratory. Right. Anyway. It, yeah, it's my laboratory. Just, or laboratory.
1: Laboratory. I'll call it, go. I'm going
0: to start calling it a laboratory. <laughs>
1: All right, guys. Today we are covering uh the 1936 film The Invisible Ray. This is a really and this is a good one. It's a really interesting one and um wasn't on my radar for a long, long time. I got I think I started as a kid and then your you know, radar. My radar, you know, maybe four or five years ago, six years ago, I kind of watched it again and you know, really scrutinizing it for the podcast. But I, I I really do like this one. We'll get it, we'll get into it. But um, yeah, of course, you know, starring Boris Karloff as uh Jonas Rook. Bella Lugosi, of course, is Felix Benet, uh, Francis Drake as Princess Leia. Oh, I'm sorry. D- Diana Rook. Not Prince. That's an inside inside joke. Princess Leia, right? The first scene in the Princess Leia outfit. No, we'll get there. Who, who's R2-D2? <laughs> we'll get there. Just think about that. Princess Leia. It's Francis uh, Drake. Uh, Frank Lawton as, um, I guess we'll call him, nephew Ronald Drake. And this one was directed by Dracula Daughter's favorite, Lambert Hillier. So, yeah. get some great, um, God, great casting, great talent on uh, on this film. So, great
0: shots, great atmospheric stuff, verticality, you know, on the on the the order of James Whale, uh, you know, sometimes and stuff. Really, it's a quality production, and it's you know, I know it's it's the third they shot, right? They did with Bell, with the Lugosi and Karloff, right? They did Black Cat, they did Raven, and
1: then this one. Am I right? Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, and and this was the most um, most expensive, and actually the most um popular as far as ticket sales, but actually lost money. I think it made the least amount of it didn't even make money, it lost money compared to Raven, which I think made a little bit of money, and then Black Cat, which you know did quite a bit better. But interesting. I have a or, theory
0: about that and I'll I'll get into
1: it. Definitely. Yeah, we'll get into it and you can, you know, watch it. It is a beautiful beautiful film and um, kind of the last of, you know, we could say the waves of, of universal horror, anyone that, you know, can kind of, uh, you know, understand or appreciate that, you know, we kind of had the waves, like the first wave was kind of the Lemleys with, you know, obviously um, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the first, you know, really out of the, out of the shoot. And now it's kind of, it's weaning a little bit, you know, the Lemleys are out at this point and um, you know, horror I don't think is quite making, you know, the the profit that it used to. So this one is more, you know more sci-fi you know kind of sci-fi um romance
0: that's what I, I know what i love about this is it it's like a gothic sci-fi movie and that's one of my my touchstone things about the movie and what i love about it um i, I think this it's i think this is a very interesting moment in universal's history where we're right around where it's the same year Bride of Frankenstein comes out and you know i don't know if um universal had embraced the power of the franchise quite yet uh i think of Frankenstein opens that door i don't think daughter, i don't think uh dracula's daughter quite does it but i think of Frankenstein opens this door to this franchise idea where they have what we talk about the marvel cinematic universe right now they have a shared universe Suddenly, where where there can be multiple monsters and mul- monsters can come back again and again and again through you know clever plot twists, and they can meet each other and they can fight and they can meet Abbott and Costello and stuff. Um, but 1936, we're at this. I I think if things had gone different, this could have been the end. There couldn't have just been the one cycle of Universal horror, the 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 the, the mono plane flying around the globe era, and we wouldn't have never gone to the sparkly uh, sparkly spangle Universal era. Of- the Wolfman and and those films. And we've never gotten to universal international and all those. So I think yeah. um, th- this is sort of the end of one chapter of universal is what I'm trying to say. And then a next chapter begins the same year with Bride of Frankenstein.
1: Right. We get Bride of Frankenstein and ultimately the, you know, cut the re-releases of you know, the original, the 31 Dracula, yeah. the 31 Frankenstein, which oh, yeah, then, of yeah. course, was which the cement whole... cement
0: the, the, the permanence of those things in our culture. That's
1: right. right. Then we get the son of Frankenstein. And then, you know, of course, yeah. you know, the Wolfman and then of this whole other second wind of, you know, and the mummy's and the, paw, paw, and the
0: mummy's yeah. foot and the mummy's <laughs> left earlobe, right? That's man? right.
1: Good old Carus came out of the uh, <laughs> dust for us. And I can't <laughs> right. wait to start covering those. Those are really fun. Oh, we yeah, covered uh, that. I think we're
0: going to have but... a lot of fun with this. But this is really fun. I do think... There might have been a little bit of Karloff Lugosi fatigue going on here with the audiences, where where they're like, "Oh, it's these two guys again," and now they switch rolls back and switch rolls again. This one's a good guy. This one's a bad guy. You know, I don't know if they they quite uh, the, the the their palate was getting maxed out for that kind of thing, and maybe it's a good thing that this was the last of that that cycle.
1: Yeah, it sounded like at this point. I mean, they have a great documentary, so I've got you know the Blu Ray here, and actually our yeah, buddy uh, Greg Mank does a you know fantastic job. Um, kind of a kind of retelling of um, of this tale and mentioned at this point now, Karloff is, you know, a a huge star. I mean, a Hollywood star, right? He's not just universal. He is, I mean, Columbia photos, he's doing drama, he's doing, you know, of course, horror and a little bit of action, but, you know, he is a, you know, worldly universal, and I say universal, but, you know, worldly Hollywood star mm-hmm. versus Lagosi, who as, you know, really, I don't say so much plummeted, but, you know, I think he's kind of hit his high watermark with, I guess, with universal again. I, like the, I,
0: I think this is the beginning of the end of him and universal, obviously yeah, um, uh, this is as, as big as he got. He had a, a our, our friend, uh, our, our friend Kat Herons, uh on, on who we know on Instagram was a big fan of the show um, reminded me from Greg's book that Legosi had a, had a hair and mustache care product budget on this film. He had a $25 <laughs> budget, which is like 500 bucks now uh, for his, cause he's got that very cool, you know, mustache goatee looking kind of thing Definitely. going on. He's, 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 very much styling in this movie.
1: I love his look in this man. He is, I mean, he, he he's, had, po-
0: he had a, he had a bump for that man for his, for his, for product, you know,
1: I love it. <laughs> Was that his and actual? Was that his actual hair? I mean, obviously the goatee is. Is uh, I,
0: I don't know if the mustache. I mean, it seems like if he did like I don't know what. I'd have to look at what other films he did in thirty six and see if he had a, he had facial hair at that point because that, I mean, that like doesn't his, grow in right away, right? Like that his ha- like his,
1: his hair though, like his actual like sorry, like oh. Dracula. I always just assume Dracula. Was his actual hair because then you see him in the Raven. Right. And it's, you know, very similar. But I mean, obviously, we knew through, you know, doing the podcasting and research Dracula, he's wearing he's a head,
0: wearing pink. a little bit of a toupee in the front to, for the, for the, uh, the, the, the widow's peak. Beak.
1: I think this is still
0: his real hair. Yeah. This, this, you know, uh, uh, black cat and stuff. I don't want to cast aspersions that he was wearing a, a rug or anything. I, I don't think so. I, I think he still had a full head of hair at this point.
1: Yeah. He, definitely. He had a
0: pretty full head of hair his whole life, actually.
1: He did. He had the great slick back look, you know, classic Lugosi. So it's that, it's that Hungarian stock. Absolutely. Now he looks just <laughs> fantastic in this, and, yeah, yeah. and again, I, I man, I never tire of watching these two go at it. You know, and That's there's some sure. great scenes. and, you know when they they butt heads. So let's get right into it. So, I mean, right off the bat, we hear kind of a romantic, um, you know, just like the the music here. This isn't. It doesn't feel like um, you know the stock Universal horror. This is like I'm like a romantic um, you know theme film. It gets right into like a um, melodrama. Yeah, yeah, like a melodrama, and it's you know some sci-fi romance. Um, And there's a forward right on on the beginning of this film, They're saying every scientific fact accepted today once burned as a fantastic fire in the mind of someone called mad, which I thought was really, really cool. Nice setup to, you know, what we're about to get into this kind of mad scientist, you know, melodrama.
0: And it makes a nice connection to some of the the things Colin Clive says in uh, Mm. Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Who hasn't wanted to look at the stars and know what, the curtain of the night is and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's Franz Waxman is doing the music, who also did, um, *Rider Frankenstein*. And I think they borrow a little bit of uh, of the music from *Rider Frankenstein* or, or this for that. It it, it kind of bounces back and forth. And I'm not totally an expert, but uh, but Waxman's a, a big deal. Um, he's he's a real serious composer, and I I wouldn't be surprised if that was a big part of the budget for this one. Is they they you know as opposed to later on ones where they just start recycling the same Psalter you know music. This this has a real uh, lush score to it.
1: Definitely. I feel like it's and we'll get into it, but I feel like it's, you know, there's a couple of different scenes when we get to, um, you know, Boris doing a thing that they're borrowing some cuts from, I'm assuming, maybe Bride, some of the strict fat um, lab equipment. So I can only believe they're probably borrowing or lifting some of the, the music as well.
0: A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be. Yeah. But Typical right. mad science stuff.
1: Yes, of course. So, so open, you see
0: all this pressure, we need some mad science gear.
1: <laughs> on Thursday, get to go to that mad science store right, right around the corner, around uh, exactly. right by Walmart.
0: Go, go raid Strickland's garage,
1: um, uh, just like yeah, Mel Brooks but we, did.
0: But you know, I mean, obviously, just from the opening couple of shots of the film, we have okay. There's a a scientist who's in, who's investigating like ultraviolet rays and stuff from the cosmos, but he lives in a castle. And there's like these Romanian, you know, guys with like blouses that, that dress like Romani type people lighting candles. They're lighting candles in a castle where a scientist is doing atomic type research. And if there's something that isn't more universal than that, I'm not sure what. That's just, it's so ridiculous. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful.
1: It is. Yeah. It's, it, it does change tones. I mean, the first, you know, couple of minutes of this film, it feels amazingly gothic universal. Yeah. I mean, it's like that castle, like you said, just yeah. that fire shot, the castle and the lightning. And- and it's um, definitely
0: it's the same room that the mom and, and the wife is sitting in as the opening scene with Mary Shelley and Byron in in Bride of Frankenstein. It's, oh, sure, absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely the same room. So I mean this is their shot right around the same year. So, you know, obviously where he's like, Oh, the lightning is tra," and he's rolling the R's and everything. <laughs> Jehovah's <laughs> raining empty things down on my head, whatever he's whatever he's
1: saying. Oh, man,
0: Definitely the same shot. Anyway,
1: great. Yeah. So this is where we see the Princess Leia shot of uh of Diana who is um, she does uh, look a right? Like it was totally Princess Diana, right? Right to the fact that she's not even wearing a bra, but the perfect like that white costume and doesn't quite have the print like, and I'm talking Princess Life from Star Wars, doesn't quite have like the curly, you know, the curly cues around her ears, but
0: she, she doesn't quite, but but yeah. it's close. And and you know, you know, uh, Lucas loved all these movies, so you never know,
1: totally. You know, I might be on something, so yeah, we get to meet um, Diana and uh, Mother Rook, who is uh, Giannis's mom, and um. Was, I had to watch it a few times. I mean, it was really kind of hard to understand. But basically, she's kind of she's it's kind of like a Norman Bates mother relationship with these two. Like she seems to be very much the controlling, um, you know, and he's the dutiful son. So he's, she's basically, you know, warning his wife, Diana, that, um, you know, what he's involved with is dangerous. And that, you know, it kind of it, it goes through a couple of different themes throughout the movie that he's not good. Giannis is not good with. People, he just needs to kind of stay to himself, conduct his experiments, and um, you know, kind of leave people alone, keep leave the world alone.
0: Yes. And, and I think she'd be happy keeping him that way. There's definitely an uh, an uncomfortable closeness between Rook and and his mother, um, who dresses like a Jesuit, I'm not sure
1: why. <laughs> yeah, who's also blind. She gets into a, a she's, quick
0: she's blind, right. Yeah. And we yeah. find out why in a little bit and stuff like that. But she I just she's an awesome, awesome character though. She's so she's she's a, a soothsayer, right? I mean she's she is almost has precognition. She almost, you know, she senses the ether and the vibes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and her being the mother of the scientist is again, it's just, it doesn't get more universal than that. It's a mishmash of science and myth and folklore and fantasy and, and modernism and stuff. And it's perfect, perfect blend.
1: Oh, she was going to say too, it sounded like her husband was also a scientist and that's how she went blind, right? He was conducting a very similar experiment with, the rays, and she was not like helping him with an experiment right. one time, and you know, indirectly or you know, by accident, caught you know one of the rays in her eyes, and you know, rendered her her blind.
0: Damn, yeah.
1: So she's not coming from you know, not just the you know the worried mom, like she's you know has been down the scientific road before, and you know knows what her you know son might be up against. But she, she knows this is dangerous, especially if not
0: respected and treated. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. So against her, basically against his wishes, Giannis, um Boris Kalov has discovered something. So um he's up in his, you know, huge telescope and he's figured out something with um on what he calls the Andromeda system. So basically has called in um, you know a few folks to basically come in and you know he can prove to I guess you know the Sir Francis and um, um Dr. Felix Binet played or Benet, um, yeah Felix Binet played by yeah. Bella Lugosi. Um, basically, they kind, of, they kind of laugh at uh, Giannis, like the, some of his, um, you know, know how, however he's, you know, they sound like they've had relationships in the past, and they basically poo-poo everything that Giannis has, you know, ever brought to them as far as, you know, scientific research. So now his, this is Giannis's chance to bring these scientists, these well-renowned, you know, doctors, um, you know, societal, you know, men of society to his home to basically show them, you know, I'm right. I'm onto something. So this is kind of the opening scene here where we're going to have, you know, the Bela Lugosi character and, you know, Sir Francis and a woman named lady, lady Stevens, his wife coming to this castle to kind of, you know, see what Giannis has, you know, got for them.
0: Who, who I guess, you know, in a more modern context, they would they would call Janus a, a crackpot. I, I I don't I don't I think I think his theories have a reputation for being kind of maybe like junk science uh, uh, among the more serious uh, thing. So you know, um, Dr. Stevens. coming in he's he's actually bringing benet and benet is like his his uh yardstick to determine like is this guy on the level or is he full of hooey right
1: yeah because he's very respected exactly right yeah he does mention that he's like basically says at one point when um you know i'll say carloff and lugosi when Giannis and um benet finally meet you know they have a great you know stare down like this eye to eye and you know they both look fantastic i mean carloff has you know, the, this mustache and he's got like the curly Afro. I mean, just, he looks, looks amazing. And, you know, can we,
0: can we talk about Carlos makeup for a second? Absolutely. It's, I mean, so, so, so here we have, we have Bela Lugosi who's Hungarian and he's playing a French scientist. We have Boris Karloff who's uh British and, and by heredity uh, East Indian playing a Romanian or, or, or Hungarian science scientist. Um, they definitely darkened him up in this, right? I mean, he his his skin color looks much darker than it normally does, and and and, and again, of course, we've just seen him in like the Black Cat where he's he's actually paled up. I'm sure um, they definitely like is, he, but but then but then Karloff in later life gets very tan. As well, um, he does. He's
1: very yeah. I mean, Giannis Rook. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be you know Egyptian, Middle Eastern. Well, he's
0: supposed to be Hungarian, but I think the idea is that he's. I there's an idea. I think they want him to be ethnic. I guess you they okay. you would have said at the time. So hence the curly hair and everything. But it it does a great job because it 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 doesn't look like Boris Karloff. I mean, he honestly, or maybe I should say, he looks more like Boris Karloff, like really looked in a way than he was always. You know, when he's playing a monster, when he's playing. Uh, you know. Uh, 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 yeah, Helmar Polzig or something. Um, it, you, you know these guys are doing these films together back to back to back to back. Lugosi always kind of looks the same because he's Lugosi, and I want to get into that a little bit later too. But um, so I think it's up to Karloff and Jack Pierce. Also, Jack Pierce has to have something to do, right? So <laughs> he's like, I don't know, I'll make him, I'll make him look super Central European.
1: He does, but man, the way he he acts through his like his eyes in this, are just fantastic, man. Some of the the facial right. expressions. Um, this is Karloff now. Just what a fantastic actor! I mean, you can see why you know he made such a great monster. You know, um, just some of the facial acting he can he can pull off is just just out of this world.
0: He Karloff has a versatility that, as as huge a fan of Lugosi as I am. Lugosi kind of didn't have Karloff could change his accent up a little bit in Raven. You know, he plays kind of a lowbrow Edmund Bateman character. His accent's much more cockney. Uh, He could play more refined. He could, you know, despite the the fact that he had a lisp and, and the lisp is evident in everything he does um he also could physically i i I have a note in this movie where you see though he skulks around he kind of hunches and walks around he walks a little bit like a phantom of the opera or something like that he stalks Mm, in in a way that is not the way edmund bateman walks it's definitely not the way uh hamar perlzig walks and it's definitely not the way Frankenstein monster walks um lugosi with his back problems i think um i just had a conversation with somebody also about the fact that we never see lugosi run ever in a movie and i'm not sure he was capable of running following his injuries in world war one um and in and there are some scenes where he has to lean on things because he would be having lugosi i'm saying now would be having a bad back day um <clears throat> so he's handicapped by those things he's not handicapped he's handicapped by those things um sure. but karloff in this yeah we see him physically doing some different stuff than he then he definitely did in, in other movies um and it's a really interesting, He and I think it's why some, to some degree, his career uh, had an upwards trajectory when when Bell kind of flatlined after a point. Yeah. He's I mean, limited by the it, accent and by injuries and other things.
1: It is. I mean, I'm hopeful it's, you know, and it's too bad. I mean, it's it would have been great to see Lugosi, you know, cast on the same level, to see him get some diversity. Like we said, that always seems to be the biggest, you and, know. And
0: everyone's going to everyone's going to throw up son of frankenstein and ghost of frankenstein and yes of course igor oh my gosh that that is a complete different thing and and we'll talk about i can't wait to talk about his igor when we get to that point but with the exception of that and a few other things yeah it's definitely
1: absolutely um, i mean igor i put on the same level as like um like renfield or like even you know dracula 31 it's one just iconic i mean my gosh
0: way better than charlie ruggles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who said that anyway
1: oh man
0: T- tonight's episode is brought to you by uh tequila and mezcal everybody
1: just yeah on. we should have brought that up there is uh yeah as boris colif was discovering rays i discovered ghost tequila and mm. man it's treating me well and we're actually recording a little bit later on in the evening so i'm like i'll probably head to bed shortly after this so i'm not going to be out driving just if anyone's listening and this, um, is, this is
0: this is up late with with uh with borgo pass
1: that's right borgo pass, <laughs> borgo pass midnight
0: all right <laughs> so where, the
1: hell, where the hell were we anyway
0: okay and i just want to say when when francis drake does this walk uh along to go get rook right at the beginning we got to hurry up this this is going to be an eight-hour episode um she puts on this cloak this black cloak with a hood with a not a hood with like a batwing collar that is absolutely one of the the capes the evil uh black magic uh, cult members in black hat wear the the women in that. Remember they put on the oh, clothes. Absolutely, the she's definitely wearing one of
1: those. Absolutely. Now she okay. looks she looks fantastic in this. And I hadn't really seen my sorry, obviously Mad Love, but um, yeah, she was she was good. I mean, borrowed from I believe Columbia for this one. Um, but yeah, so basically we've got you know guests coming, um, which one of them includes um, Lugosi. So finally they do arrive at uh, the castle, and I, I always have to laugh because you know um, especially in this day, Brandy fixes all right so they come right. in and they basically say we had a shitty ride it was up at you know the top of the carpathian mountains and, be, and i forget who it was it was um the mother it might have been um diana it's basically like oh have have a glass of brandy and like oh that's gonna make everything all better and, of course it'll
0: warm your warm your soul Warm your soul we all know that doesn't work that has to be tequila to make that work
1: <laughs> it's working for me right now so yeah
0: <clears throat> uh so we we meet a couple characters we meet um uh sir sir stevens right
1: Yeah, we meet Sir Stevens, um, and his late, sorry, his lady, his wife, Lady Abella, and then her niece. I'm sorry, her. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, Lady Abella and nephew Ronald Drake. Uh, So there's immediate flirting going on, of course, between the young Ronald Drake and the even younger uh, Diana. So there's a little um, blurb about you know between Diana and Ronald. So it sounds like, um, so Diana and used to. I'm sorry, so Janos. Used to work for Diana's father. Yes, and and, and
0: before he died, Diana's father made her promise he she would marry the much older Rook, which seems like a really crappy thing to do to your daughter.
1: True, but she was good to her word, and you know, sounds it sounds like was. they've been married about daughter. three years. It sounds like you know love, not not maybe I don't know if there's love in the marriage, but she seems really really quick. Her eyes are on this Ronald Drake pretty fast, and vice versa. So there's immediate budding love interest in this castle. Um, I think
0: she adores Rook. I think she respects him. I think she, she, she does, you know, have a little bit of hero worship for him, but I don't think he is, I don't think he, she's drawn to him in that same way as she's instantly drawn to this very uh, minuscule uh, Explorer guy, <laughs> the guy playing Francis Drake is is not a tall man. Um, there's a shot where they're all standing there, and Logosi is like seven inches taller than everybody. Right, I assemble. noticed that too.
1: He's gigantic. He is. He looks huge in this. <laughs> yeah,
0: and of course he's wearing a tux. He's all he's all you know formal wear and everything like that. Yep. He's looking all snazzy.
1: So funny. Yeah. So so long story short, there's a lot of you know a little bit of gobbledygook care, here. Um, you know, which which you get in some of the Universal films. So long story short, so Giannis, talk Giannis has discovered what he's called, um, or whatever, discovered the Andromeda system. So basically, it's a galaxy tens of millions of light years away that he has um, somehow fixated a ray from a telescope to basically, um, my gosh, Jim, you're going to have to help me here and understand some of the science here. So it's basically a ray that basically shot to the Andromeda system. And through this ray, he can see a meteor that hit the Earth tens of millions of years ago. Yes.
0: There's some theory that, let me try, let me try and express it. Um, By, by following this ray out to its point of apex or something, and then turning around and and looking back at us, like some kind of mirror. Right. Because of the time and the light, you can see the past. Um, That, that is his, his plan. Um, It's, it's an interesting mix of, as we say, total gobbledygook. And honestly, like getting a few details, of astrophysics kind of right so so you know the the writers did a little it seems like they did just enough research again to make this plausible and then um you know uh uh, uh made up the rest uh, uh kind of kind of free form um it's it, there's some great w- when we look through so he um he 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 like records it looking through first of all there's this telescope observatory room which half of it is a matte painting and it's it's honestly gorgeous looking and stuff and imagine, again they managed to make science fiction kind of gothic which is just just a, a brilliant something universal did better than anyone else um and then uh so he has to record it on this kind of thing right it's almost like he has to like stick the VHS tape in there and record it and then play it back for them and they can see they all can sit down and see this and to do this he has to expose himself to the ultraviolet radiation that again, with, Gives the film its title, I guess, The Invisible Ray, um, and he has to wear a special suit. So he wears like a uh, almost like a fireman suit of uh, you know with like the the hood and the gloves and the and the the face. You know, it sounds like
1: a welder's mask, and yeah,
0: it's like a welder's mask. I think that they spray painted yeah. or something, right? Uh, yeah. Um, in this, we when we have this view through the uh, telescope, we have some great uh, John Fulton effects. And John Fulton did you know all the effects of Invisible Man? and He was Universal's. You know Jack Pierce did makeup stuff, but if it needed to be like an optical effect, it was a John tend to be a John Fulton uh, thing in this era um there's great shots of like the ray flying past saturn and you know going out of our galaxy it's and stuff. Great. That, yeah Then honestly like 10 20 years later in forbidden planet it wasn't much better i mean he did a you know there's some good work here and again this it wasn't a, they spent some money on this movie right
1: Oh, you can see where the budget went to exactly. Yeah. this was this was really it was fantastic. fantastic. It was it also reminded me of like you know what Star Trek, you know, was doing thirty years later where it's you know you're kind of going through the cosmos and you're passing the moon yeah. on your left and you see Saturn and you're seeing you know comets shooting by. It's really really I think, neat. I think
0: until Star Wars and Lucas and ILM I don't think effects really advanced much in those thirty years. they just they just got became colorful <laughs> I think right. it was a bit of a, of, a, of a standstill there uh, yeah so, as, so you know the whole time, doctor you know Doctor Stevens, Professor Stevens, whatever is is looking at Lagosi, and and he's going like, is this all whatever? And Lugosi's like, no, this this is interesting. This this could be a legit. Thing. Um, You know, I think it's easy to look at this as a, a film of 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 Lagosi versus Karloff, Benet versus Rook, um, and I guess you can sell it that way, and that makes it more dramatic. But really, Benet is not an antagonist in any way, in any point of this film. He's he's like a he's rooting for Rook. He actually. He would love for Rook's discoveries to be true and to help mankind. You know, that's really, he's a very benevolent character. And, you know, we talk about Black Cat, where, 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 um, Lugosi's character is, is a good guy, but he's also sort of got his darkness. There's no darkness in Bene. Bene is just,
1: yeah, he's I mean, I mean kind there's some dude. Right. I mean, there's definitely some professional, um, you know, Rivalry, whatever. Yeah, rivalry. Like bit, that's right. that's a good word. Yeah. But I mean, it's respectful, certainly. I mean, and Benay is the first one. Once he, you know, he finally gets the shots back from the Andromeda system, showing Earth being hit by this meteor. More specifically, Africa. Bene's is the first one to run up and you know congratulate him, and yeah. you know Giannis, you know, you know, bows his head almost and holds it like he's almost like in disbelief that he is now, you know, kind of in this. You know, he's received. You know the acclaim or the accolades of this inner circle of, of he's men. tried
0: so hard for so long to get right. and and, right. and really been been you know called a a crackpot or a fool or, or a rebel or whatever you know. Um, so
1: I think it was during the scene here too, Jim I that they've got a couple of really quick scenes. I think it's a strict fat lab equipment from either Frankenstein or oh, Bride. Yeah, yeah. You the know, when bride, he starts, I, like, I
0: think it's a shot lifted directly from the I don't I think, think they even filmed something original for this. I think I think they just stole some cutaways.
1: Yeah. I'm actually I'm I'm kind of going through it now. It looks yeah, like
0: ju- 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 ju. there's like the little things sticking right. and stuff in the right, right. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, good little scene. Uh but you know, uh uh and just like is, you know, the the whole time, what's really good about the mother character is that she's at this point. We should be like, oh my god, yay! This is awesome. This is going to be great for him. And the mother's already predicted that that the, the the achievement of his greatest success is going to be the the fulfillment of his greatest disaster for for Rook. Right? You know, I mean, right. she's already she already knows this is not going to end well. So we know it's not going to end well. It's great
1: right i forget the exact line but yeah he's not going to find any joy or any you know it's mm-hmm. all going to be it's just going to be sorrow you know if yeah. he kind of yeah. joins up with these men in. so basically yeah so we've got this meteor that you know hit the earth tens of millions of years ago so again right. more specifically hits um the continent of africa so basically you know now sir francis and Dr. Benet are, you know, believers. So now <laughs> they're kind of, they're all of a sudden now focused on setting up this expedition to go to Africa and see what the heck has landed on, on earth right. and have invited um Giannis to join them. And I think, and this is when the mom, you know, they have some expedition or exposition of, you know, basically, or the mom saying to Giannis, you know, don't go, this is not going to make you happy. You might find success, but you know, it's not going to complete you. It's not going to, you know. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. This whatever. Is, the-
0: yeah. This isn't going to get you what you really want. That's right. Um, and I, I, th- I think you know, and she's right. She's absolutely right. I mean, at no point is she not predicting what what eventually happens, and that's kind of the fun thing is getting to see how it happens. So, so that's sort of. I mean, it's a pretty short first act of the film, but it's basically the first act, and then we have the second act, which takes place entirely in Nigeria, um, uh, in Africa of these, you know, this expedition of these, you know, white people. In in, yeah. in 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 like kind of equatorial Central Africa, um, there's a fun bit where, where so so Doctor Stevens, am I am I calling him the right thing? Is he Doctor Professor Stevens? I'm not sure how he's credited. Um,
1: I think it's Sir Sir Francis Stevens. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Sir Francis Stevens. Um, does not deal well with the climate and and conditions in Africa, and and meanwhile, his wife Lady Stevens likes to. Likes to shoot hippopotamuses and all sorts of other wonderful things. Um <laughs> Lady Stevens is sort of despicable. Um she she she's actively rooting for, for uh her nephew to have an affair with Rook's,
1: you know, wife. Um she we'll thinks that a great idea. Well, um, calls them animals at one point, right? It's like, oh you know, you and, young animals, yeah, like what, she, what else she, are you gonna she, do? Like she you- she 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 says some things
0: that are borderline pretty racist. Um yeah uh, the film gets away with with not being too awful uh as a film of its period uh depicting Africa and depicting native tribes in africa um it, it does it it skips it, it avoids some of the larger landmines, I guess I'd say it, there's some still some cringy moments um, there
1: is, but so lady m- Stephen
0: seems to really enjoy hunting animals and stuff, and overall, she just seems like she's honestly just a little annoying and despicable, but yeah,, you know, that's what it is so before we get too <laughs>
1: far ahead, so yeah, basically, so we're in Africa, so um, as we spoke about, so Giannis, um, so Boris Karloff, um, Benet, Lagosi, and the rest of them go to Africa in search of, well, basically they're landing in Africa to start an expedition. And then they, I guess, I think there's a newspaper cut, whatever it is, basically saying right. that Giannis has separated from a group. He's now going rogue off on his own in search of what they're calling this Radium X. Radium so X, So yes. Benet. Sir Francis, Lady um, Lady Stevens, and Diana are at this basically this base camp, and Benet is just you know doing he's run, doing experiments with you know the sunlight and and whatnot. Well, he um, he's, he's doing it says he's he's doing experience in astrochemistry, but he's also like taking care
0: of native children and and stuff too, which again you know. He's a good dude. He's there. He's going to do some good while he's while he's around and stuff. He has that expertise and that that ability. So you know, again, it just it just paints him as it's almost just confusing how nice a guy Bella Lugosi is in this movie. Yeah, he's
1: just but a that good kind. Of, dude. Yeah, he is. He's not a bad dude. He, he says <laughs> he says a couple of weird things later. We'll get. I, I took note yeah. of it. So I, they made me laugh, but yeah. So basically, Giannis is off. You know, busy he's left his wife he left and his left wife, the yeah. party behind to go do his own thing. So, you know, now we've got, you know, this bubbling you know romance between Diana and this this Ronald Drake. And as Jim had mentioned this lady, uh, Lady Stevens is, you know, kind of pushing the two of them together. Like, hey, you you know, you're young and you're hot and sexy and you're bored in Africa. You know, why haven't you hooked up yet? And he's yeah, like, t- talk you know,
0: about overbearing mother. Figures, right. right? I mean, she, <laughs> she's all over her nephew. It's like you feel like you feel like she kind of wants a piece of that. It's a little icky. I know, right? totally uh, but but you know the pun of it is that she's she's the more masculine of the of the pair of her and her husband and he's he needs to soak his feet and stuff and she's like oh whatever i'm going out in the jungle again
1: and 100% and yeah. she's in
0: she's in her place here
1: yeah she's really good i forget the name the oh um yeah.
0: the actress is great in it yeah I, I i'm not wild about the character the The actress is, is awesome
1: oh bulla bondi i think her name is but that's right yeah she she does she's i mean i feel like strong women especially you know 1930s cinema she's she's great yeah again she's gross i'm not condoning her behavior but you <laughs> yeah. know acting this yeah. acting the part that she was given she's fantastic yeah all right
0: so we Can we take a breath here for a second
1: Yeah, I'll take a little breath i'm gonna get a <laughs> I little i like, feel
0: like i'm rambling
1: taste of tequila there you go. So there's a scene of Janos going through, um, a, you know, kind of on an expedition of his own with some local say local natives who are kind of acting as his, you know, his guides and kind of carrying the equipment. And he has like a some kind of a detector, I guess, a, a radium X detector that goes off, makes all sorts of noise, of course, scares the natives, and um, they come across as, you know, smoldering, you know, crater basically, um, which... I guess indicates that, you know, this is where the, this is where the meteor landed tens of millions of years ago, tens of millions
0: of years smoldering (laughs) cooking. Um, Right. And yeah, I, the film sort of weirdly like predicts the discovery. I feel like of the, the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. Like it's interesting. Does it, does it, does it a little bit um, uh, uh, presage that a little bit? Um, Yeah. uh, So yeah. uh, Rook is out, out in the bush with his i guess it's it's basically a geiger counter but it, it looks like a, a kind of a the boom box the dude and uh do the right thing has a little bit um <laughs> nice not quite that big uh you know he's carrying around and he and he's using it to find the the radium um there he has a giant dog that that is in the first scene when you see you know uh his, his wife and his mother and the thing and the dogs with him when he discovers the raymax and and i think this wait does the dog die does when he touches the dog, right? Is that what happens to the dog?
1: Oh, good question, Jim. I don't I don't remember. Crap, we're gonna have to keep watching. Yeah, let's let's edit that out and we'll bring it up when it happens. Um,
0: but this is I I don't know where they film this stuff. If it's up in Malibu Canyon, I think it I think it's up there somewhere. It looks kind of familiar. It might be it might be almost like topanga or something, pretty close by. Um again, it's it's you know, LA for Africa, whatever. Um <laughs> The the wonderful thing about the fact that, that the film industry landed in L.A., I mean, they did it because it was it didn't rain and it was sunny all the time and they used to have to shoot everything outside, even interior scenes and in sound films. They would build three walls and it would be outside with the sunlight shining in because they couldn't get lights powerful enough to expose the film. Um, for one reason or another, they ended up here in, in L.A. And L.A. can their topography here can stand in for quite a few different types of environments among them, obviously,
1: you know, Nigeria here. And it looks pretty good. It does look really good. Yeah so upon uh, discovering the radium x uh, yana sends um one of the natives back basically a note back to to camp to you know dr Benet and and diana basically telling them that you know of his discovery and um i I don't. Know. I don't know if he wants company, or uh, I'm. I'm not sure. It doesn't really do, go too far, and it go goes too really deep into it. But he basically wants to point, alert. It's just yeah, it's just updating them. At this point, this is still Rook
0: as a as a pretty good guy. You know, um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't encountered the radium yet or anything, and hasn't changed anything. So he said they sent a runner back, and he's going to go explore it, and he's going to put on all his like rubber gear and and whatnot that's going to protect him. Supposedly, he thinks obviously from the from the radiation,
1: right. So sends a note back and then, yeah, it was a kind of a cool scene of, um of Rook and his, you know, the, the miners gear or whatever it is, like kind of being lowered down. Think of, you know, yeah. House of Dracula style with uh, Oswald Stevens being, being lowered down to look for Chaney um, down into this, you know, small, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah canyon yeah, yeah. of, um, you know, basically kind of, you know, cut chips a piece off and brings this piece of uh, radium X yeah. back up. And, um you know, the tribe of course extremely nervous and they all want to leave. and oh, yeah. Um, and this is this is straight out of like one of like republic cereal
0: or something like like darkest africa or something you know i mean they they, they were filming a lot of stuff that was supposed to look kind of like this kind of stuff in this era and um yeah i know he's and he's sitting on this little bamboo mat thing and he's got rocks that are obviously like road flares or sparkles or something like you know um kicking kick down i i'm reasonably sure that's not boris karloff in that Outfit in that scene doing that. I'm sure that was the second unit kind of deal.
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that, Jim. So I was, was watching, I think it might have been Greg Menk who mentioned this. So there was a scene they were gonna play a joke on calloff So it was during that scene when he's in that, you know, little pulley thing, they raised him way far up, and everyone left for lunch. And basically just left calloff in there. And they were saying that actually, you know what it was? So it was it was Greg Mank when he had interviewed um. Francis Drake, like not that long ago, I mean, shortly right. before she died. And she was saying that call off, you know, other actors might have been, you know, pissy or, but he took it, you know, he just said he was such a gentleman and had such a great sense of humor that, you know, he's kind of, you know, he found it kind of humorous that, you know, what they did to him. They basically left him up on this huge yeah. pulley.
0: Left him hanging was, for a while there. Yeah, yeah,
1: left him hanging and they all left for lunch and, of course, came back and, you know, to get uh, him down, I, I, but just I, kind of ribbing him a little bit. But he took that in stride, which I thought was, it was kind of cool to hear.
0: Kind of a boys school kind of prank and stuff like that. We're not yeah. really allowed to do that kind of thing in, in Hollywood anymore.
1: <laughs> just, the, you know, British him in and you know having some fun on the set and
0: yes exactly exactly having a good time um yeah um so he he uh th- they get the note back they're back at camp and they get his note and um you know his wife is reading it and they're all sitting around and you know they come in and then you know if we're back to obviously him having made the discovery and he's come back and he takes off his cloak and everything and he's looking and his geiger counter is like kicking and he's he's like this is it this is his moment he's like i've i figured it out i've you know they're all going to believe me now. It's great. And and because we know we're only 20 minutes into the film, we know that's that's not gonna work out for him.
1: Right. And the natives, for you know, the ext- extremely nervous. All the natives basically want to just you know, disband him. So it takes yeah. the rock and puts it into, you know, I don't want to call it, I guess like a little laser machine. So basically, long story short, Giannis uses a Terradium X, you know, now weapon to melt a rock. You know, kind of a supernatural, you yes. know, dangerous thing, and that basically scares the shit out of the natives, of course, yeah. and you know, frightens them back into kind of servitude. Well, so now we started for, for the time being. For the time it's, being, it's, so it's, now right. I guess this is kind of the first example of you know the power of this radium X. You know, what can it? What what is it? So now it's yes. you know he's weaponized this thing
0: instantly, and I think that's important to 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 point out is that that this guy who who had only. You know good intentions going into this as soon as he really accomplishes his goal he somehow instantly decides or instantly figures out a way to use it to threaten people and to to make it a weapon and is that a statement of of rook is that a statement of human nature i, I don't know you know wh- where uh what what kind of thing they're trying to go for except for that it, we see instantly i think even before rook realizes he's been poisoned by the radium X we see that it is having an effect on him and it's changing his personality. Like he, the Rook in, you know, in, when they, before they get to Africa would have probably never done that. I don't think. Right. Do you, it know? made
1: me, it made me think of invisible man, like with the monocane, like it really, it really is like, right. Like, was it the radium X that now, you know, is now poisoning again, like it's you know, saturated his brain, um, yes. you know, to turn him into this, you know, vicious, almost, you know, monster. I think, you know, Bella right, calls at right. one point, um,
0: and I think that's the part of the, the myth making that universal was doing. And I don't know, think it was a, an intentional thing, but I think it was more sort of like the context of the whole of the productions and talents and writers and directors and actors that they had this idea that like, like with, with any, with any success comes a cost and, and with any amount of power, you know, comes the chance of, of corruption. And, and it seems like that's the moral lesson that so many of these movies hinged upon. Um, all the way from from yeah from invisible man all the way to like man-made monster right it's it's a it's a myth it's a it's a story they keep telling over and over again with in different ways with different characters but it's the same
1: story it really is and that's something universal just did so well i mean yeah you know other film companies and they did you know i don't say equally good um you know quality characters or you know makeup and everything but this is something i guess just a universal you Know something that they just really, really nailed just that humanity. It's, um, it's
0: about more than what the people are saying on the script. Just and and I think that's the important
1: thing. They said the moral, you know, the moral compass. Like yeah, yeah, they really did so well. So so yeah, so shortly after Giannis um discovers this radium X, he's in his tent eating dinner and the sun has now gone down and we get the first um i guess evidence of what this radium x is is doing to him with the kind of the the, the glowing skin so if, again if we listen to man made monster if you see man made monster this is kind of the first iteration of this technology right is right free you know any basically any bare skin is begins to glow
0: yes yes exactly and 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 you know the native comes in and sees him glowing and it's like oh my god you know and he runs away and then Carla realizes he's glowing um and I feel like this is where I'm watching it right now and I feel like this is where so he turns on the light yeah so he turns on the light and and then you know he sees he's not going anymore he turns off the light he sees he's glowing I don't know if I don't know if his glow is, is photosensitive or it's just the fact that, that it only shows up when it's dark outside. But you know, he, he obviously realizes some something's not right.
1: Yeah, and you can just you can see from this movie, and then fast forward, you know, four or five years later, they definitely got they improved on the technology with man-made monster. Like F- Fulton had figured it out a
0: little better how to yeah. to rotoscope it. And I think that's what they're doing. I think they're rotoscoping him. So it's a frame by frame process where they take a single shot of, of Karloff and he's moving, he's moving rapidly within some of these scenes and they have to literally draw a line over the shape of his face, you know, along the contour of his hairline and everything in his ears and down to his collar and match that line frame by frame for every single frame of that shot. It's a time consuming and, and back then it would have been an incredibly laborious and and costly expensive, process. Right?
1: Again, here here's the budget, right? It's on yeah, screen. I mean,
0: the budget's on screen. I mean, we're, we're seeing that's, that's right. That's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, the tense scenes are good with the, the um with this. I think it's a little bit little awkward when, you know, later on the film will get there that he's got like the, the big hat on and he's kind of, you know, going more rogue with it. You know, that glowing yeah. is, you know, it's a little bit a uh, little bit awkward as far as like, you know, the glows now off his face. It's kind of, you know, lighting up his lapel or it's lighting up his hat. So when I said like they improved this with men made monster, you know, yeah. I guess again, this initial tense scene looks pretty darn good.
0: It it does good. And and sure enough, yeah, he he his dog comes in and he puts his hand on this dog, unfortunately. And the, the Scott and I are both animal lovers and, and we hate these scenes like that. But it does it serves a narrative purpose. He puts his hand on the dog, the dog falls over dead, and we see the the glowing handprint on the dog. And that's this is when Karloff realizes that anybody he touches, he's going to infect with the same. For some reason, it's not killing him, but anyone he touches will will die from that. Yeah, the, uh, he knows it. The radiation.
1: Right. And the quote is, it's poison to me. Like, he's no, he knows yeah. exactly what has happened. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Shortly after this time. So as we mentioned earlier, Giannis had sent word to the camp that his discovery. So now his wife, um, Diana, has left, you know, the, the Bela Lugosi, um, you know, the, the Bene camp and is now looking for her husband. So you know she comes in um, and, you know, finds her husband and wants her to or wants, I guess, I'm taking a step back, Jim. Sorry. Not at all. So Diana comes back and, and finds him. And I get out of you know love and out of wanting to protect his wife, basically yeah. demands that she leaves that next morning. Doesn't want her to come close to him. Of course. Right, doesn't-
0: what's he going to do if she suddenly just runs up and tries to hug him? I mean, he can't, You can't guarantee she won't do it. So, and, and that's the other thing is we do have to like, uh, up until right towards the end, um, uh, Rook really does love his wife, you know, maybe their marriage was arranged and maybe, you know, whatever, but he, she's, she means the world to him. And until the end, when we finally see him kind of turn on her, um, we see how far he's, he's fallen. But up until this, like his main, you know, thing is to, is to, is to a kind of protect her and be kind of keep his secret from her until he can maybe get himself fixed. Um, And to do that, he has to be mean to her. Uh, they're, they're talking kind of through the tent flaps and he's like, no, I need you to, you, I want, I don't want you here. Go away. He has to say cruel things to her and hurt her to make her leave, but he's doing it to protect her. Uh, you know, he's, he's risking the way she thinks about him uh, in in his effort to protect her. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it, if the movie has a weakness, I think it's that the root character comes off kind of petulant, kind of, kind of bitter and kind of immature. Um, he He's super paranoid. He's super jealous. He's not really that likable in, in general. Um, this is a, an exception to that moment where he's very nice to her and and, and we see how much he cares about her. And I think it's one of the, the, best moments between the, the two characters right
1: well this is always kind of a fun part with with rook's mom like and and she knows it like she knows her son is you know awkward he's not somebody who belongs amongst <laughs> the people like he really is like he's
0: like he's the kid who when he rode a bike she made him wear the helmet right
1: yeah i mean oh, he, the
0: kids um... don't have to wear the helmet he has to wear the the, the goofy uh, uh football helmet right
1: yeah, I mean, he, yeah, right. He'd go to school. He wouldn't have any friends because everyone else would be, you know, playing with He-Man and he'd want to, you know, dissect, you know, whatever. Well, then
0: that, yeah, no, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a group dynamic type person, right? That's no. Sure.
1: And mommy knew it. And uh, yeah. it's funny. And going back to Greg Mack, he said something kind of funny during his, um, during the, uh, the, um, oh my God, what did that one? give me one. I'm having tequila brain here.
0: There you
1: go. You know what? Never mind. Okay, Anywho. Hang
0: on. Give me one. Give me one second while my wife. Is... Sure. <clears throat> okay. We're good. Okay. Um so so Rook uh after he kind of sends her away uh puts on his 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 mask and and his cloak and his and his gloves in which by the way he kind of looks like a bit of a superhero here and and I think that's kind of a really neat sub sub thing going on in this movie is that he kind of like dresses like a little bit like a superhero um he make he makes the their days Away from the camp, apparently where he's where camped, but he somehow makes the run in the night. He arrives exhausted and he comes to Benet's tent and 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 he, he purposely seeks out Binet, and He's like, dude, I, I effed up. I'm in trouble here. I need I need some help.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. He's you know, and to Binet's credit, despite all their you know issues in the past, he wants to be the one to help him. And he does, like Binet you know, works up an antidote, yeah. not quite an antidote, it doesn't cure him of the poison, but it basically um, yeah, he
0: specifically kind of specific, like, his issue is chronic, this, right? This so it will, kind of puts it in a it, but but it's not going to make it go away,
1: right? It kind of puts in a remission for a, a day or so, whatever. So yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah, be a yeah. reoccurring. He's going to take reoccurring shots, you know, to keep this this poison from happening. So basically, Benet yeah. gives him the shot. It takes a
0: while. He has to analyze his blood. He has to do all this stuff like that. Benay like you know stops everything he's doing and and is like I'm just saying like he's a good guy in this. Like yeah. he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna get you through this, brother. You know, even though you're yeah. a bit of a crackpot and you kind of suck as a husband and, you know, all these other <laughs>
1: things, right? No, I think Benet, he has a ton of respect for him because, you know, of all the doubters in the world, like, you know, you know, Giannis invited them to the, the home yeah. and proved that shit. He was right. And, you know, Benet respected him for that. Yeah. Um, Rook, Rook is a visionary.
0: And as a visionary, he's going to, like, miss as many times as he hits. Benet's more like, you know, the the hair to, the hair tortoise to the hare. Benet just, like, is, is plotting on you know, logically in his research and, and, and getting, you know, a little more information every day. Rook is aiming for the stars literally and, and sometimes, you know, falling on his face, obviously.
1: Yeah. And for some reason, Benet knows, and this comes into, you know, during the climax of the movie, this comes back to him, but basically says one of the side effects or not a side effect, but one of the, you know, something more or less going to happen to you is you basically, if you don't take this antidote, you're going to crumble into ash. Which yeah, is extremely, yeah. Spe- extremely specific. Extremely <laughs> specific. Oh, Benet knows that. He, I mean, he's right on, like, and I'm, we're gonna we're gonna get there.
0: I wonder if we're ever gonna see that happen.
1: Right? No, Benay's good <laughs> um, man. He knew. Like-
0: I'm I'm just kind of amazed. Lagosi got this role. It's such a good part. It seems mm-hmm. that. It, it's such a good part that it seems like one of the parts that universal would have screwed Lugosi over about and not given him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like it's it's, his luck was so crappy that it's amazing. He landed this role as this very nice guy. It's a good role. Um, You know, he's, he's progressive as he gets, as he gets on in the film, I'm going to keep going on about, about Lugosi. So get ready, everybody. Um, uh, It's, and he gets to be handsome and and cool in it. Uh, I'm amazed he got the part, except I think this was the final part of his, he had that deal with universal right that he was going to that they were going to do the the couple films together
1: i think it was i think it was more contractual but yeah you could see you yeah. know like a, oh uh, we have to
0: give him a good role once in a while whatever right. you know exactly
1: and <laughs> like i said i think they were just trying to squeeze out everything they could from you know either black cat had been successful Raven yeah, yeah. modeler successful so Dracula you know had had frankenstein together roll the dice one more and time and, yeah. and see what yeah, happens this, this
0: is that last time where you go back to the bowl and try and scrape out the last bits of it and stuff. that's right and, and for what for what it is i mean they think they came out with something awesome
1: they do they just they have just such great on-screen chemistry and you know you, you just yeah. hear you know oh god i just i can't stand here in those stories and i don't want to get into this we went into this a lot with and i'm black cat Right. with Adele. But, you know, some, some of the folks here just throwing out the nonsense that there was, you know, rivalry and hatred between these two men. And I mean, you listen to anybody, you know, who, who's in the know. And I'm not saying, you know, Jim or I are, but guy, I mean, literally like longtime historians and, you know, these guys were not. There was no hatred. There might have been a little professional um, rivalry early I, I on think, in the career. I think,
0: I think there could have easily have been jealousy, and that's just the natural part of the business. But right? It sounds like
1: very early on. But, man, these guys did grow up. They grew into a very professional, I mean, call it quote-unquote friendship. They really did. And, I mean, certainly later on in Lugosi's career, um, you know, Karloff came in and, you know, was awarding him or you know helping Lugosi get roles.
0: We have kind of the opposite of the scene where, where Lugosi is helping Karloff. That's or right. He's helping Rook great point in reality it, it ends up with like body snatcher and stuff is, yes. is Karlov trying to look out for for legacy and help him out a little bit when he can not not like going totally out of his way to do it but you know when he can try and try to try to throw the guy a bone and stuff like that and I, yeah and i i i, I again we talk about this i i think that makes a less dramatic story but i think that's a better story
1: absolutely and that's a great point yeah.
0: um so so the um the relationship now so now that uh, Rook has kind of spurned his wife and told her to go away and doesn't even want her around. That's a sort of the nail in the coffin of their relationship to some degree. And when she's back in camp um, uh, and, and so, 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 so Rook goes back, you know, having the cure. Now he's going to go back and finish his research and, you know, you know, get it done with meanwhile, she's back at, his wife is back at camp uh, uh, with, with uh, the young guy and, and they're, having more and more trouble um, resisting the urges that that, you know, their natural instincts or whatever, you know, happening. Um, but I like that they're good. They're not making out. They're not doing stuff that they 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 have enough respect for the man that they are not acting on these things, but they're acknowledging that, that that's there. Right. They're acknowledging that they're, it's not just lust. They're actually falling in love. Right.
1: Yeah. There's some love there. And I think, you know, later on, it gets to a point where she I mean, they're, they're talking about getting married. And she makes you know a point off screen, or you know comment off screen that she's not going to do anything until she can look you know Giannis in the eye and basically tell him you know what she's going to do. So yeah, yeah. they they're trying to be as respectful as they can. Regardless, right. dude, it's
0: over. I don't care what I promise my dad.
1: Right, lady, you know, Lady Stevens is trying to you know be the oh she's she's trying to she's trying to
0: to to that so bad. <laughs> Wait, we have to cut that out. I said that wrong, and I think that's kind of a weird thing to say. Sorry. Um, All right, cut out okay. man. Uh, hang on, hang on. Um, yeah, no. Lady Stevens is is trying to to network that like crazy. Uh, she's working overtime, and and again, this is what makes me like, like does this lady have nothing else to do? Does she run out of rhinoceroses to shoot? I don't know. <laughs>
1: But, right you know, on. slowly but surely, we start seeing, you know, Rook getting, you know, he's getting poisoned. So little by little, he's in his mind. He's got this, you know, I'll say, you know, this little checkbox of things, you know, ultimately, he's going to look for revenge. I don't want to no spoiler alerts, but yeah, losing, you know, he's, you know not lost his wife, but, you know, he's now growing apart from his wife. But next important scene here is uh, Benet and Rook in a tent. And basically, yeah. yeah. Benet tells Rook that he has given this radium X specimen to Sir Drake to take back to Paris to basically share with the scientific community because he believes, you know, yes. no man should have this much power. Yes. And I think this is now kind of the, the divide in the road here, which sends, you know, call them the good guys, you know, this the Sir Francis and, and um, you know, the Benets down one course, you know, the moral path. And now, you know, Giannis is now just, you know, how bent yeah. on, how bent on revenge right
0: it's a, it's a really good plot device it, it is it is the crux that the second half of the film twists upon um, you get you get benet's thing so benet yeah benet actually goes into the jungle and goes to rook's camp to 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 go, up, to go seek him and he comes in and gives him like he get he, he he delivers some a few pieces of bad news like okay everyone's leaving your wife is leaving with with Ron with young Ronald so right. that that's done um we're taking you know the 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 amount whatever you've discovered that we actually you know understand and we're going to kind of patent it and stuff like that so the problem is i don't think benet not doing it to to rub it in and he's not trying to be cruel he's he's logical maybe he's logical to a fault maybe you know again it's a little bit of lack of feeling like we see in uh, dr volin you know, a little bit sure um but the problem is the already paranoid, uh, and 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 jealous rook sees this as a confirmation that everyone's against him. They're stealing his wife, they're stealing his invention, they're stealing his, his discoveries, they're stealing everything from him, and it fuels him into this in what what is you know, into the third act of the film, uh, where he's he thinks he's taking revenge on the people that have wronged him and, and not respected him and stuff. And everyone else is like, no, 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 we're just dude. You went into the jungle and left your wife for like a month and a half, man. What are we gonna do? Like it, like their their response to this is totally logical. He's just off the, the rails, but he doesn't see it that way. So we have these two dueling perspectives, and it and it's it's a well-conceived, you know, plot device that that again leads us into you know what happens later.
1: Sure, it's a perfect motive. And I I kind of thought it was funny that you know, before Benet release or you know, unleashes all this bad news on Rook. He of course gives him the antidote, so there's no way Rook can now go and like strangle him or you know basically touch him and kill him after telling him, "Oh, you lost your wife." Oh, that's a, and, I never caught on that, and that's actually a good. That's that's
0: smart. Right. He's like, "That's first of smart. all, let me dose you up, so he can't <laughs> just
1: so you can't just like well, grab me." That's right. We'll stop there first before I tell you, like, "Radium X is gone," and, and, <laughs> and now the bad news. And now the bad news. So now the bad news. Here you go. Um that's really, funny. A really quick. Um, there's a really quick scene I think, just shortly after this where, you know, they split camp and Rook. Ex- Sorry. Give me one second. <coughs> give me give me just but, one second. I'm going to I'm going to
0: crack another beer. Hang on. Sure, one buddy. Second. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Another ballast point. Nice. I like my beer strong and bitter, just like my women. <laughs> I say that to my wife all the time. So, yeah, I bet, I, like. I bet you I'm do. Speaking out of turn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have you, uh, okay. You like tequila at all, Jim. Well, what, what do you like tequila? I do. I do. Have you ever tried this, like the ghost tequila? I mean, it comes in. Oh, it's man. If you like so, kind of spicy, um, oh, it's really, it's... Good. if you mix it with like something sweet, it's kind of nice. I mean, I'm drinking it straight and it is like fantastic. You definitely I'm have to sure. nurse it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: that's it's, cool. It's... I'm drinking this. TJ's has this one brand of, of, do you have Trader Joe's there? I assume you.
1: Do. Oh yeah, I do. Yep. Um, uh,
0: they have a Mescal right now. It comes in like a clay bo- bottle. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. It's
1: fantastic. For oh, nice. Um Okay, uh, where were we? So I was going to say, so at some point, Rook brings back a sample of the Radium X to his mom, who we mentioned earlier is blind right. and is, you know, using some hocus pocus gobbledygook. Is he able to cure her blindness through yes. this Radium X, which is, you know, of course, a huge breakthrough was, you know, he's proved that it can be weaponized to melt rocks and scare natives. And now he's showing the health benefits of it. You know, now he can cure blindness. So basically wants to go back to Paris where, you know, Dr. Benet is and Sir Francis is and and whatnot and kind of, you know, show them off or, you know, show off to the world, this, you know, triumphant discovery.
0: Yeah. This this is another act break where we have like a newspaper clipping, I think, or something. and, And it says like, you know, they're all leaving Africa uh, Dr. Rook has returned to the Carpathians. Uh,
1: right, it's and, all about Benay.
0: Yeah, and Benay's back in you know, bringing back the and, and they're going to have a, a thing. That's um, right. I'm not sure if like like do they they're not on the same ship, are they? Because they he can't sail on the same ship back from Africa. I'm not really sure how they get back. How, how Rook gets back to the Carpathians, but he gets yeah,
1: back. I'm not really sure. Yeah, he a, gets from really, Africa
0: to the Carpathians, which is like about 3,000 right. miles. I'm not sure how. It's a really quick clip. Somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, As basically. part of the the high budget of this film, they do not show show him going back to the company. well,
0: that's that that's what those newspaper clippings do. and that's really you know it's a good <laughs> it's a good technique. sure yeah, you get a lot of real estate out of that. um yeah, so he's back. and you get the feeling that this was almost i mean I, I think Rook starts out with noble intentions, um, for his, his discovery, he, he tries to, you know, you know, he's going to hopefully better, you know, science and knowledge. But I think a big thing was to maybe fix the thing his dad broke and that's his mom's eyesight. And I think when he does that, um, to some degree, like he, he, uh, he kind of feels like completed, like he's like, I did it. I, 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 that was, it's, it's a small goal, but it's actually one of his goals. And you think like, Oh my God, he could cure like all these blind people. He could do all these amazing things and stuff. But again, he 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 goes on this the mad science scientist rant where he's like that the power to heal, the power to destroy, the power to you know. Yeah, it seems
1: it seems like the yeah, it seems like the antidote that Benet created it isn't really curing his madness. I mean, it's certainly preventing him from glowing. It's preventing him from killing at the touch. But he still seems to be losing his grip on reality.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know, it's funny. Um, and he's got, he's got some lines at this point with the power to heal proud of story. And he's got some more lines that, that at least on my version of the the film are kind of dubbed out. And I think I can hear the word God in there somehow. And I I just think it's funny that again, we talked, I was just talking a little bit ago on the, here about um the the morality tale that that universal is telling about power and the way it corrupts and stuff and i think we can talk we talked about before about the god complex in in henry frankenstein and dr vall and, and and all these other characters in universal's canon um and it's ironically it's the thing that it seems like the censors had the most problem with was any reference to like a man assuming the powers of god right right Right, but but it's it's part and parcel the the again the morality tale that Universal is trying to tell. They they weren't saying that these these guys are as powerful as God. They they're saying that these guys, in their delusion, are trying to be as powerful as 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 a, as a Almighty deity or whatever. And right. and that's not a good thing. It's not like Universal is saying like no, no no you should try to do this. Look at this. Um, it's a bad thing. And they're trying to tell the morality tale. But the censors of the time couldn't make the differentiation, I guess, and and would just dub these things out. But it's like again, it's like the thing Universal is trying to get across over and over again. And the sensors keep sort of pulling them away from it. It's an interesting tug of yeah. war that that seemed to keep happening throughout the thirties and forties.
1: Well it's interesting yeah, because I mean we were just I mean we just did um Island of Lost Souls and there was yeah. a reference yeah. To you know, basically being, you know, the god of these men, god of the Which island. It's a but,
0: very universal film, not made by universal. It's probably the closest universal film. I mean, it it, but it 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 attracts all those all those
1: markers. I guess my point was it wasn't censored. And then you look at 31's Frankenstein. Yeah where, you know, now, now I know what it's like to be God. Yeah. And that was censored for, you know, decades.
0: Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: So it's like, yeah. Like where, again, like who knows who, you know, where was the the dividing line here? Um, that's that's, that's interesting. Like, what I'd that's love to, I'd have to go back and watch the film and see if I can spot that, Jim, the, uh, the overdub yeah, yeah, line no, of, he, of God. He
0: goes on about it just a little bit and it seems like they kind of like, they, they just sort of dip the audio out a little bit. Interesting. Um, uh, and it's just maybe enough to get away with it. So, yeah. Um, and the next time we see everybody, they're all in Paris. This is like kind of a globe-trotting film. It's interesting. It's like a James Bond movie, right? I mean, we're we're in the Carpathians, <laughs> then we're in Africa, and then we're in Paris.
1: Yeah, James Bond, Indiana oh, yeah. Jones. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. In- All you need is a little plane with a red stripe <laughs> just, oh, oh, oh. Dun, 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 dun.
1: from the Carpathians to to Paris. Yes, exactly. So this um, is—I tell you—this you know, is one of the the funny scenes. It was—it's so quick, and you know, I don't know if anyone else kind of found this funny. So yeah, we're in Paris, and so we've got um, Dr. Benet working with this little girl who's blind. So basically, kind of doing the same experiment that rook had just done on on his mom to cure her blindness yes so a cute little girl you know sitting in benet's office and you know bella in true bella fashion i mean again like you kind of mentioned he's one note and he is to a degree which is you know part of his charm but you know he's kind of he's really creepy i mean he's a good guy but he's kind of creepy so he goes up to her and says you know in this bedside manner are you scared and she's (laughs) like No. <laughs> like, the, the and his response is that is fine and walks off. Yeah. I yeah. I was <laughs> I was dying laughing. Oh ne- my
0: God. Ne- never with the bedside manner. Oh my them. god. Re- whether I'm... it's Dr. Vallen or or this, the, you know, what the wonderful Dr. Benet.
1: Like, are you are you scared? It's like, no, that's just fine. And it, it walks. <laughs> <laughs> like, bella there Legosi, you, man. There you go.
0: You should you, all, all but you should be. Uh, oh man. Uh no, I know he's great. Again, here we get to have with Bella again in the white coat and the and the rubber gloves and the goggles and stuff. You know, right. this is great mad science stuff. Um yeah, he 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 always plays these characters with like he tends to play these characters with the ego and and Binet does have an ego. I mean he Definitely, uh yeah, he, he probably think, would be fun- think, thinks pretty well of himself, and he should. He's he's successful, and he does good things and stuff. And and you look at his offices; he's got he's got guys in starched collars outside of his doctor clinic. I mean, this I'm not could sure be like pre- how that is a thing, but okay,
1: this could be like a prequel to like the Raven. I mean, this could be Volin before he retired, right? right?
0: Before the fall, right? Before right. He starts yeah. building the, the 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 pin the pendulum in his base. Totally, yeah,
1: yeah. This could be Volin just like totally holding court, and he's like this esteemed doctor, and I'm thinking of building a man cave <laughs> and i like poe yeah
0: yeah, exactly. So someone just gives him an issue of pose like hey wait a minute what a great idea
1: uh, yeah so um, it's the iron so the irony is yeah as um as benet is curing this you know little girl of blindness who walks in but uh rook and it's the first right. time they've seen each other since you know since benet dropped all the bad news of losing his wife and stealing his radium x right. um and there's a you know Kind of a, a cool scene in the office.
0: Well, there's there's kind of a sad scene where there, there's this line. There's like a queue of people with like old people and children and stuff waiting in line to get get in to see Doctor Benet, and they and they sort of escort Doctor Rook right past them, and they're all they all look as he walks in like, "Hey, I've been waiting here for like four days."
1: <laughs> right. Oh, that's try right too. You know, Benet it, he walks right past all these people. Oh, this is another thing. So Benet or you know Lugosi says this other line. He's like. He basically like turns to one of the, like one of his helpers. He's like, all right, get them out. Get Keep the line moving.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's like, okay, get her out. Like he's, he's, he, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, no. They're it's all like, like it's like, it's like when you go get your eyeglasses at, at Costco, right? Or something. It's like, okay, oh, you I can see, we, get out. It's
1: like McDonald's or like Dunkin' Donuts. Like you're being right. timed. Like you only have 30 seconds to get, like, get right. this customer out of here. He's yeah. like, all right, oh. yeah, get them out of here. Keep this line, keep this line moving.
0: Exactly, exactly. So so he's, he's using Rook's discovery, right? I mean, I mean, he is, I mean, he actually is, uh, he has appropriated the thing that is Rook's actual discovery, Um, but he's using it for good. They credited Rook and Rook got like the Nobel prize. Nobel prize, prize, right? So, So this is where you see like Rook's, uh, Resentment is 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 misplaced. You you can kind of understand it, but then then you have to go. Well, wait a second. No, wait. They they gave the Nobel Prize, dude. I mean, you got all the credit. He still can't get past this this kind of pettiness. And again, that's what I think harms the film a little bit. Is that I just think Karloff's character, while while he's entertaining and interesting and and fun, um, just comes off like a little bit of a whiny baby. And Mm -hmm. and 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 it's it's it makes a little harder to. They're not peers as much
1: in this as they I are I, say, say black cat i kind of jim i i kind of like that i really do yeah. like because he makes him so strange and he's like this you know like this like is greg mentioned uh, greg megan mentioned, like the mad scientist mama's boy and yeah, I mean, you don't like see you true. don't see characters like that in it these is, universal no, films so i find that kind of interesting hmm you know um no, but i, I, I do, do get cut. what you mean like it's it kind of it kind of weighs on you a little bit after a while but he just he's such a strange such a strange guy
0: yeah yeah even no, before no, really before is.
1: he gets poisoned and then obviously yeah. and you start seeing kind of his you know the radium right. x you know poisoning his it's mind and it's 40 just minutes total. into it you're just
0: like get over it <laughs>
1: you, you were 25 years
0: older than her you know i mean that's, what did you expect that's fair all right <laughs> Um, I I do I love all the machinery in this thing, all the gobbledygooks and stuff, all the you mm-hmm. know, the, the screens they've created and, and stuff, you know.
1: Um, so one one line really quick before we leave the scene. So one line, um, Rook drops to benet is says it seems it seems as usual. I'm a little late and Ooh. right. So his yeah. obviously I his wife. That. He's late, you know. Whatever he's yeah. late, you know, holding on to his wife. He's late with the radium X, He's late now with you know benet now curing this you know little girl of blindness yeah and now i feel like if we're going to get into act 3 now he's just like on a tear right so right.
0: and and this is this is like his um i don't know what he expects seeing him i don't know if, but but it seems to just confirm his thing cuz the next time next thing we see is him he's stalking the streets in total like jack the ripper kind of fashion and mm, he's nice. finding he's finding a guy who looks kind of like him um
1: right city so body and, size yeah you know.
0: And seems to be dressed like him, which I'm not sure if that's an important thing, but he's he just <laughs> th- this guy's sitting there drinking some soup. Um, and uh and I think so so his plan is if I understand correctly, he's gonna fake his own death, right?
1: Yeah, he kind of wants to, I think I don't know if he wants to just allow his wife to you know kind of now be free and marry you know marry ronald and yeah basically kind of take him out of the radar so he can start committing you know basically starting this um you know basically this murder spree of revenge without right. and he can't be a suspect if he's dead so yeah, yeah he finds kind of a, a look-alike double and um you know i think it's one another newspaper article kind of floats on the screen saying you know, famed, um, um, famed radium X discover root yeah. discover dead, um, face, face oh, melted, just, right. Yeah. Face melted off. And,
0: <laughs> um, um, which makes you wonder why you had to find a guy to leave him, Like he, he made, he made sure to find a guy with a mustache like his, but like, I mean, he melted it off.
1: So. Right. He said there was like paperwork found in the jacket. So, you know, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. telling the authorities that, yeah, this was, I,
0: I think he does it so that i honestly think he does it so that his mom doesn't find out what he's doing and i, I honestly oh, think yeah. that's his motivation he doesn't want to disappoint his mom and and what guy does want to disappoint his mom so i can understand that
1: right that makes a ton of sense he is the consummate mama's boy and yeah right till the end of the film i mean i mean and we'll get that i don't know spoilers but yeah i mean right till the end he truly you know is you know does whatever he can to please his mom
0: yeah no he, he is um but but in a way it's like i think he wants to take revenge on his wife um for betraying him but to do that she has to have actually betrayed him and she hasn't actually betrayed him she hasn't actually as far as you know we want to believe in the in the context of the film she hasn't had any kind of physical whatever's with 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 ronald it's ronald or roger it's, Ro- it's ronald right
1: uh ronald ronald yeah. yep
0: with ronald um <laughs> she she hasn't done anything with him him faking his own death gives her the freedom to now marry him which she seems to do about like you know six hours later um, she doesn't waste a lot of time on that. Really i guess quick, she's wasted yeah. a lot of time with rook already right um uh but then now she now she actually has betrayed him
1: yeah like, so at this point like, yeah literally, he like,
0: literally like legally and stuff he, i don't know
1: yeah no he's right exactly so this is kind of like his final betrayal so he's skulking around paris and comes upon this oh it's called the church of the six saints which was actually, a, I had to look this up. Was actually, I think the same. I know it was the same cathedral from 1923's um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, which kind of. Oh wow! Yeah, with uh, Makes with sense. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's their Notre Dame set, which they yeah. would have used. They, uh, you know, what that front thing is exactly where they pull up in the Wolfman when when Lord Larry Talbot can't, you know, go in the church and stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. I'm watching it right now. It's still the same thing. Yep.
1: I love it. Yeah. So now, you know, he sees the, he's at the, the church of the um, the six saints now gets the idea that he's going to go on this re- revenge of basically picking off anybody that's wronged him. Um, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we
0: start seeing his
1: dementia soon hmm. take, take hold here as, as he starts
0: fantasizing and he's seeing like almost like visual hallucinations and stuff, which is, you know, it happens a little bit in Universal films, but but this is like a real clear depiction where they do this optical thing where they replace the statues with the the people that he feels have betrayed them and stuff. Um, yeah, so, 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 the, so yeah.
1: I was going to say, so the idea is, yeah, going revenge, you know, or basically he's going to, you know, cause the death of, of six people. So he starts with, um, as he's going down the line of these um, six statues. So Sir Francis, who he deems the thief, right? He's stolen the Radium right Axe. Um, yes yes indirectly from it. it sounds like it was more of a, a benet thing but regardless you know, sir francis is the thief uh, diana yeah. we is We don't kinda...
0: care about sir francis so he might as well see the <laughs> He'll the guy, be the right i mean right. They, they have to build up to the people we actually care about so yeah he kills stevens um oh you know what i i just saw I'm watching it and I just saw Legosi run upstairs. So I, oh, there you go. I'm i going to take, take, I mean, he sort of trots up the stairs, but I'm, I'm just going to take it all back. He does. He takes two at a time. He goes right up there nice. in a dinner suit with tailcoats. So, you know, hey.
1: so we get Sir Francis, we've yeah. got um, Diana and Ronald, of course, the, uh, the newlyweds we've got um, Felix, uh, Benet, of course, who's yeah. he's pissed at lady Stevens, who he calls the matchmaker. So he basically if some, you know, somehow knows yeah. she kind of set his, you know, Diana and, and, um, and ronald up and himself so he knows he's going to be you know probably the i don't know if he's his plan was to take his own life i mean ultimately spoiler alert he does yeah but interesting at this point does he know you know he's going to be you know he's going to take his own life when this is all said and done i don't know
0: interesting i mean i mean if if anything we see on the news indicates like normally that is what happens in these kind of cases right like someone tries to take the revenge on the people that they feel whatever like that and then the last they saved the last bullet for themselves or, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it follows and, and kind of makes sense and stuff. Cause I, I think Rook hates what he's become as, as, as much as, as anything, you know, he 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 knows this is his fault somewhere deep down, but he he has this need to to settle the score first, and then I don't think he cares much what happens to him. He obviously doesn't care that he got the Nobel Prize. I mean, I mean that that alone should seem to compensate a normal, sane person, but obviously not.
1: Right, exactly. It's so beyond that. So you got to want. It's just his personality that you know only his mother truly knows. Is it the poison happening? Is a little bit of both? But yeah. So one by one, he starts you know picking these people off, and I think it's uh, the only. I'll say the death that really kind of sets the next act in motion is the Sir Francis death. And we can get into this. This is kind of interesting. So basically, um, you know, uh, Dr. Benet Bella finds um, Sir Francis and is able to do something using uh, the radium axiom, basically using a ray into the eyes of doctor of sorry, of Sir Francis to discover his last vision. It was basically just a, a shot of, um, Rook Rook
0: like staring you know, at him Like staring, staring down at him in Adam. bed I guess right
1: Yeah Again we're gonna just call it You know Gobble gook whatever So basically yeah, yeah Benet is able to Find Sir Francis's Last vision So it's of Rook Who's again Believed to be dead You know Coming after him So now Benet knows Who the killer is
0: Yes. Yeah. No. He does. He well. A, A. He knows that Rook faked his own death, and that he knows Rook is 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 you know the killer of 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 uh, Sir Francis Stevens. Um. This begins w- what I'm going to call the. I mean, definitely the third act of the film, but it begins the the. Um, I think it's as close as Lugosi ever got to getting to play like Sherlock Holmes. He, he, you know, the, the police are involved and, and whatever, not Scotland Yard, wherever the French version of Scotland Yard is, you know, uh, detectives and and whatnot are involved. But, but Benet is sort of running things. He's the one who, who discovers, you know, that you know turn the light off and you can see the handprints on somebody and stuff. Um, he figures out again uh, in the end, how to, how to trap rook and stuff he's running the investigation and he's almost he's like he's almost like sherlock holmes and it's really fun watching him it is uh, it's, now it's like a now it's like a, a a game of wits right
1: it is i mean it's bella now playing you know it's it, obviously bella's always the big bad so it's the other people it's a van helsings that are the ones hunting him it's nice to see right. bella now playing like exactly the sherlock holmes he's okay, playing the hun- he's playing the hunter the, now
0: good guy right and he's the one who yeah yeah so so lady lady arabella stevens dies next um and he knows what's up and uh and he's the one sort of running the show like he has no real look he's just a scientist that happened to go to africa with some of these people um he has no real connection to to rook's widow and and you know uh and and the young dude and stuff um but he's assumed some sort of responsibility for all of them, and, and I think he knows that. That par- partially, I guess it's, it's he knows that Rook is coming for all of them. I guess so they're all in the same
1: boat. Ultimately, they're all in the same danger. Right. I um, just
0: wish you could have seen Lugosi in, like, a Hitchcock movie. Like this wouldn't that be great? You know? This is what I
1: mean. I feel like he is such missed, such lost opportunity with Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my god! And gosh.
0: they're both doing such good work at this point, where Lugosi's emerged into, like, being this kind of, like, again, Holmesian kind of hero. And we get to see Karloff play the sort of, like like frothing at the mouth madman too, which like he didn't get to play a whole lot of that stuff. He no. ended up playing, you know, especially after black cat, he starts playing like these erudite kind of like arch fiends and stuff. And he gets to play this kind of like guy descending into craziness um, and, and, and stuff. So it's, they're both getting to flex a little bit acting wise. And it's fun to watch.
1: It really is. No, just, I mean, it's incredible talent. So fun. So fun. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got a couple more deaths. Like you said, um, you know, Benet finds, you um, uh, Lady Stevens dead and there's a glowing hand around her neck. So, of course, yeah. you know, confirms that, you know, obviously Rook is the killer. And basically, um, so Ronald and Benet kind of get together and say, well, we need to now try to set a trap for Janos. Yeah. So they kind of put this idea together. You know, what would be the, the best thing? What would be the best mouse trap to catch a guy like Janos? And you know benet immediately says a lecture. You know he's he's a he's he's an educated man. You know what's the best way to get him? It's you know a lecture. It's knowledge that's going to pull him out of.
0: But they're also going to like he's taunting him. Like he's they're going to like talk about how much they've accomplished with this radium X thing or something like that. You know and and arouse Rook's jealousy. Like they're going to you know um uh uh he's going to play with his what he knows is Rook's paranoia and, and and jealousy. Um. To, to lure him out um yeah no Benay, like i said like the cops are like what should we do and benet is the one saying here's what we're gonna do um uh he he is sort of like the, the in charge person um and and ronald to to not to dis- disparage the, the guy too much he's he's up for being bait he's like no let's do this i need to do this to to protect diana and stuff like that he's not a coward in any way um he's the actor. Uh, is the, the I guess you, I guess you say the character is relegated to slightly he he's kind of manner's light can i say
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you know, his name I knew his name was gonna come up somewhere because he, he doesn't
0: is. he does he is sort of a Manners character, like, yeah. like again, a character that David Manners would have been required to play. I'm yeah, not saying anything. It probably would have done okay. He would have done okay at this. Yeah. I think Manners would could have played this role too. And I think they just, you know, for one reason or another, didn't want him. Um, or he was over at another studio. Uh but uh he's he's not he's not a coward in any way, shape, or form. We just never get a chance to really watch him be heroic, unfortunately. Like I think he could have been, and I think we could. Could have seen some interesting stuff. He would have. I think that character would have sacrificed himself for the girl he loves. You know, given the chance and stuff. And you know, but but they're left with this kind of happy ending thing. And 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 Benet is the one left. You know, in charge of in charge of things.
1: It is. No, I'm watching the scene right now. He's in the you know in a room with these with these men. And man, lugosi he just he he carries he just carries such weight. He reminds me of. Like you know, like a Claude Rains type. Just they're on screen, no matter who else is on there. Man, he just he carries like just this verbose. This and it's Lagosi, man. You just you cannot take your eyes off him. And yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, he, commanding, he, com- these, he commands a room. That's he commands, sure, right? yeah, he's commanding these men, these police officers. Like you said, Jim, he's a doctor yeah. and he's telling these, you know, whatever the French yeah, equivalent man. is of Scotland Yard, yeah, exactly what they're gonna here is what going to
0: do. Here's what
1: they are going to do. That's right. And they said, Yes, all right. sir. All right off we go. And you know, basically the trap is set. So they put an ad in the new or an article in the newspaper saying they're going to, you know, party lecture at the house. And, um, you know, we can kind of cut ahead. So, you know, it's the night of the lecture, and we've got basically a you know, house full of doctors and esteemed guests. And Janos, on the way there, intercepts one of the doctors that's, you know, walking there. His name is Michael, Michael John, the doctor, yes. and basically promises him um, brandy, right? Another. <laughs> It's like it's a cold night, doctor. It is. It is a rainy night, and
0: yeah, come you know, on in for a brandy first. It, the it's the brandy thing.
1: It's always a brandy. So Giannis had mentioned to him, you know, he'd seen a lecture from this doctor John before. So you know, they had some kind of a you know. Relationship and basically said, I oh, it's a cold night, doctor. to come over here, grab some brandy. And the brandy is, I'm assuming, poison. Um, basically, he drinks it oh, out yeah. of, yeah, oh, oh, probably, or he, or he touched,
0: or he touched, or it so he touches them,
1: he's something, Look yeah. like he drank something out of the flask. And yeah, he yeah. maybe touched him at the same time. But
0: you know, who's behind this is Big Brandy. Big Brandy just ran things at this That's point, right? right? They, just, they just, they're getting their name out all the time, right? Um, maybe he backwashed in it. Uh, uh <laughs> when he drank some.
1: <laughs> That's who a said fun. that. That's a thought. I didn't. I didn't think of that one. That's gross. Yeah, um, the radium X yeah. backwash. Yeah, yeah. But he he
0: ends up uh, getting uh, <laughs> Sir Michael John or Doctor Michael John, whatever uh, you know. And and his goal is to to take his place. He's going to go and introduce himself. That's Dr. right,
1: Dr. Michael John. So makes it through um, security, and yeah, now he's doesn't. It's funny. So he makes it through security, but still he remains outside. So he's kind. of He's always peering in through the windows. Again, a pouring rainy cold night but never enters the, the premises. So obviously because, you know, people are, would, would know him or recognize him as, you know, Giannis. So right. he remains outside looking through the windows. Um, and then we kind of, we get that scene where um, an A kind of goes to, I don't know if it's the kitchen or it kind of goes to, into the back when they have kind of that, their final showdown there.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to the trouble of, 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 of- Killing the guy and taking his place. I guess I, I, I'm watching it right now. But then he doesn't actually use the guy's name, which is interesting. I, I, I guess I assumed he did that so he could gain access. But then
1: he I doesn't. Thought do he? It. I thought he did because he. Did, I think he took his credentials, didn't he? Use. Uh, maybe we can. Maybe we can pause it for a second. Yeah, we can. I'll fast forward the movie here. I thought he used the credentials to get into the to get at least through security. I'm
0: watching it right now. Do we see him? Let's see. Hmm? We see him getting, and then he just doesn't go inside. God, we should watch these movies before we do
1: this. I know, right? They better. I not. just
0: I, my problem is I, I you know, I, 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 I did this. I watched this like a few weeks ago, and now I've already like blanked on it.
1: Let me turn up my volume really quick. And is this Giannis?
0: Oh no, he does. He goes through it. He goes through security. He just doesn't go in the front door.
1: That's right. Okay. okay. All right. We got
0: it. Sorry, you have a little editing job ahead of you. <laughs> or Livio does. Somebody does.
1: No, he does. I'll take. I'll take this one. Um. Okay, I can start. Yeah, so we're basically now into... Oh, so Benet goes into the back to kind of prepare for the lecture, right? And then they have that showdown. Yeah,
0: yeah. So so Rook uses uh, Dr. Michael John's name to get through security, which I I guess they don't have photographs of anybody, which seems like that would have been a smart idea. Um, so, so he he was able to impersonate the guy because he doesn't really look much like the guy. Um, but he, but he doesn't go in the front door. He actually goes around the side. The cops are like, well, everyone checked out. They all, you know, all these all these Parisian cops who don't sound the slightest bit. French, except they have mustaches, I guess. Um, uh, they're like, okay, we can we can start. Everyone's cleared. So they're gonna start the whole thing. Everyone's inside. Uh the cop goes to to Rook and or goes to Benet, I should say, and it's like, everyone checks out. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh Rook has snuck around the back and he's kind of watching in through the windows. Um, I don't know what what makes Benet so, something sets Benet off and and he, he heads towards the the back and yeah, right so, he's, he's
1: yeah so he's that. talking to some doctors, he's basically ready to start this lecture. Yeah, and heads out back to I don't know if it, like maybe get his notes or basically kind of collect himself.
0: Yeah, he said he, that's what he says, and then he goes back, and the next time you see him, he literally has a gun in his hand. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, Does he? he knows- I know he, he goes up back, and then Rook comes in through that back door. Yeah,
0: but Logos, but look I should say, Benay has a gun ready when he walks into the back thing. Does he really? He's okay, ready for it? I think he is so smart that. Okay, Benet is so smart that he has assumed that Rook is intelligent enough that he's going to circumvent the security, uh, you know, protocols. Right? I think that's what it is. Is it's, it's, it's again it's just a will between these two big brains. Sure. Um, and he's ready for it, and he's not. Um, he's not taking any chances of so. So he's armed himself. You know. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the eggheads in the next room are talking and you know figuring out everything and stuff. Um, well, I think go- German, one of
1: the one of the discussions with the doctor or security, I forget what it was, but they basically said, yeah, everyone's been accounted for. And Benet says, then he's then he's here. Yeah. Right. Or something yeah, along yeah. those lines. He, he knows he's, knows he's, he's knows probably he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and there's just a moment where he goes and answers the door down in the the back of the laboratory and i don't know exactly what propels him to do that and stuff but the door opens and obviously rook's right there um and and these two these two men come face to face again with each other um lugosi turns off the light and we see rook glowing and stuff and and then you know he knows he hasn't been taking his his medicine right
1: Right. like He's yeah. allowed
0: himself to become this toxic, uh, uh, deadly character again. And they have a good little, you know, back and forth. And Legosi, still, or Legosi I should say, uh, uh, Benet is still, it's like he held out hope for the guy until now. And then, and then he now he realizes the guy's kind of beyond help. Uh, and he's sad about it. He's actually like, it's a tragedy because he, he respects this man and, and he wanted this guy to, to, keep keep doing good work and helping the world and stuff like that. But this guy's just descended into paranoia and craziness. That's
1: and- and probably a blow to Benet's ego, too, because he's the one that kind of, you know, cooked up this antidote. And yeah. I'm sure he would have loved to eventually, playing the long game here, cure him of this Radium X, you know, just again, for to help to help rook but for again, help again, rook, his, his own ego too right yeah. yes yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah
0: exactly <laughs> Benet is serving two masters that's that's for sure exactly. this whole thing and that, and that's just that it's just because he's a well rounded well written character a well performed character um Definitely. so in the end he's like okay well screw it I'm gonna I get, I'm gonna have to shoot the dude and he and he tries to pull out his gun rook grabs his hand and 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 Lugosi uh, or Benet uh, kind of howls and and, and dies and, and we see the end of
1: Dr. Benet that is it. And then really almost getting into some of the final scenes here. So I don't know. Diana has like a premonition that something's wrong or whatever it is. Just has like a, you know, something like Mama, Mama Rook might have just a premonition. So wants to go see Ronald and basically runs into, um, you know, Mama, Mama Rook. And yes. um, yeah, Mama
0: Rook shows up, which is just like a big like talk <laughs> about prescient like like I think she foresaw this happening. I don't think she ever believed that her son was really dead. Um, uh, you know, again, uh, the soothsayer thing with her and stuff like that. She's she sort of she sort of exists half in this world and half in like another world kind of. It's interesting. Yeah, um, she's a great character.
1: So and she's yeah. the only
0: one who really can control her son. I mean, that's it. That she's the only one. Exactly
1: right. Yeah, it's kind of the dog on the leash. But yeah, so Diana and um, and Janos kind of have a a face off here. And Janos, as mad as he is, as pissed off as he is, and you know the betrayal of his you know ex wife now mm-hmm. can't can't kill her. Um, you know, basically you just yeah, he kind of he's reaches almost out. ready to. I mean, this is yeah, the yeah, this does. is the
0: nadir of his character arc, right? I that's mean, right. He's almost. He's so jealous he's ready to, to choke her, her her to death. Well, I mean, all he has to do is touch her and stuff. Um, and and he can't quite do it. Like he he still loves her too much. And that is his character's, you know, most redeeming quality, obviously.
1: Yeah. So basically, you know, let's let her let her go, but still wants to kill Ronald. And then we have kind of that final scene between Giannis and uh, I guess Mama Rook. So Giannis is about to take the antidote to basically buy himself more time to kill ronald and you know i forget the exact um you know verbiage between the two but basically mama rook smashes the antidote knowing ultimately yeah. that it's going to kill her son yes um yeah. and you know he's doesn't get pissed off he kind of accepts it and you know there's kind of a, a an emotional scene here where you know yano starts to to smoke um he literally yeah. turning he starts turning into ash and he you know looks at you know, Mama Rookin says, you know, goodbye, mother. And then just has that climatic or the climatic scene at the end where he just throws himself off that balcony yeah. and literally bursts into a ball of flame.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think the final thing is the, the look of his mother that she is so ashamed of him. And mm. I think that, I mean, as as any guy will tell you, like, I mean, look, look all, every guy's a mama's boy. I don't care what she, you, you say, you know, we all are. He can't handle the fact that she has given up on him finally. Um, it's it's so sad. The ending is so
1: sad. It is. And
0: and the only thing he can think of to do is he he, he goes and he he basically commits suicide. He jumps out a window and he and he you know it erupts into flame halfway through. And there's a great, you know, effect there where it's half a stun man jumping off the thing and half that turns into like a ball of flame and stuff. And he just he immolates himself.
1: It is, it's so sad, so emotional. I mean, really, for probably the first time in a long, long time, she Literally is looking at her son, you know. I mean, yeah. she's got her eyesight back. And like you said, Jim, That's she right. is just yeah. so ashamed. And you just see it just breaks his heart. And ultimately, that is what kills him. I mean, I think, I mean, I in my mind, he was probably gonna, you know, off himself anyways, once he killed um probably Ronald, but yeah. we don't know that for a fact. But yeah, the displeasure of his mother was enough to say I've I've had enough.
0: I think and- so. And and I also think he just I I think there's a moment where he, right before that where he realizes like. You know, I think my wife is actually better off now. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he acknowledges that he finally kind of comes a, back to being the the guy he was at the beginning of the film who who wanted to help the world and wanted to do good. Um, and and you know he lost that that guy for a while, and then he he gets him back a little bit at the end. And so like a that. little bit so of him. redemption. Again, it's this morality tale. You're right. The redemption stuff. It's this morality tale that that Universal would tell over and over and over again. And more often than not, it always worked. It, no matter how repetitious it becomes, we still enjoy hearing it, and we you know, we we haven't really changed what we like in in, a, in as far as a character arc. Much even since then, we still like this kind of story where, as people, were just we're just drawn to it. And here nice. we get to see you know Karloff do it as well as it's ever been done.
1: He's just such a complex and strange character. This Janus Rook. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does. He it does wear on you a little bit. Um, but it's just so it just it just gets a little repetitious
0: so for a while. And stuff like that. but it's worth it's worth getting through to to the end because it's a very satisfying end. Yeah. We talk about satisfying, you know, the ends of whatever. But but the other thing is, Universal is like it's the sympathetic villain. It's it's yeah, he is a very Rook is very much a villain. He's he's guilty of many deaths. Uh, he's he's you know corrupted in his soul. But but we still understand the human things that got him to that place.
1: Right? Sorry, Jim. I have to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe not.
0: That's nothing to sneeze at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a big sneeze coming and it just okay. totally passed me. So the, backed
0: up in your brain now. Look out.
1: Yeah, right. So the very, very, very last scene and something I, I think we neglected to, to to talk about earlier, but basically at some point, Giannis had given his mother, Mama, Mama Rook, I love saying that, given Mama Rook all of his notes, his research notes on right. Radium X. This is early in the film. So basically the very last scene is now completing you know rook's redemption it's mother mother rook turning over all of janice's notes to the scientists basically you know saying you know janice's you know janice will now live on for yes. eternity helping humanity so the yes. ultimate redemption now is his mother who like you said jim was so embarrassed displeased with his son now giving him a full redemption you know giving the world this technology that hopefully will save lives and yeah you know
0: and, and is that kind of a little theme they're going for there? That 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 discovery doesn't belong to a person. It's, it's one man, the right? Benefit of, of all people or something like that. Is there a little like dare we say subtext going on there? I don't know, but but it's a good so. message, I think.
1: It is, but just a yeah, really, really, really fun, complex. I mean, such a different film. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't equate this to like anything else. That really, I'm sure, that. You I'm, know. Not,
0: I'm not sure what other Universal film is quite like. It's right. like a little bit of a one-off. It's really, again, again, it's it's like a gothic science fiction film, and and it's the kind of thing that Universal did so well, and I always really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, that no, was so much fun, and yeah, I mean, again, anyone that loves you know monsters, you're not going to get a you know quite the, the the prototypical monster in this one, but if you like great acting. Um, you know, just share talent on the screen from directors, set designers, great script. Um, This is one for you. This is a really fun one. And, you know, it's nice to see kind of, you know, wave one of universal kind of closing out on a really high note with um, with invisible Ray.
0: Right. Right. Just a great human drama, like uh, really good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad we got to talk about this one.
1: Oh, me too, man. So much fun and um, great chatting with you. And We'll do it again soon. As always. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Later.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. But the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode
0: was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Boole. Opening and closing narration are by me, Cat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast.